There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning in. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. I am in Moxville, North Carolina. We're at the Living Waters Baptist Church. We're in the middle of a meeting tonight, Lord willing. We'll have another night of services, and we just thank the Lord for what he's done thus far. Thank the Lord for his work. Thank the Lord for his moving. I'm in the midst of things I do not understand or comprehend. I can't understand how God is working, how God is moving, yet we've seen a face of God as he has shined his face upon us. We've seen the hand of God upon lives of men. We've seen those that have professed that they have now come to faith in Jesus Christ and how we thank God for that. We thank God for that special touch of God. Pray for us. Pray for the church. Pray for the meeting. We're looking for what God is going to do. And if you would, pray for our church back home, the Manasseh Community Baptist Church. We're in need of a stirring of God. We're in need of that move of God upon the face of the congregation. And as we labor here this week, we certainly are looking for the Lord to continue to move and continue to spread the gospel and to spread the word of God wherever we go. And as many have been involved in this meeting, this is a work that I began even before we were in New York. This work began in the hearts of men and women, and it has trickled down slowly, but we've just seen many that uh, have been stirred by the preaching, stirred by the word of God, and that tremendous power of God has been manifest many times in services, and how we thank God for that. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 68 today. Psalm 68 is a messianic psalm in the sense that he is speaking of Jesus Christ, not in the first person, but David is prophesying many places here. So I'm going to look at the psalm in its entirety. I doubt we'll get done today, uh, but we'll just see where the Lord will take us in this psalm. We're looking at 35 verses, and those of you that know me, when I go verse by verse, it's hard to get a verse a minute. And so I can imagine if I do this in two days, it'd be kind of a miracle, but we may be able to do that. But I want to look at this. He said, the Psalm 68, the chief musician, a psalm or song of David, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let them also that hate him flee before him. Now, again, David is speaking of a time that this will take place. He's beginning to prophesy of a time this will take place. When Jesus Christ, faithful and true, comes upon that white horse and has that vesture dipped in blood, and he comes and he rules this world, his enemies will flee before him. He will utterly destroy his enemies. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. And David again is prophesying. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. And there will be a day when this will come to pass. The enemies of God will melt as wax before the fire. They will be destroyed by God himself. And it's not that God is unjust. It's not that God is unkind. It's not that God is not merciful. But men and principalities and powers and devils that hate God, have turned against God, will not uh, believe God, have rebelled against God. And I just want to touch on the avenue of men mostly today. We'll see a little bit later on. We'll deal with that serpent. Uh, But we see with men today, men have 
willfully, deliberately harden themselves against God. They will have no excuse in that day of the Lord. The light of God has appeared to every man, and he's teaching us, and he's instructed us. And that candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly, that spirit of man, God has given that to every man. But men harden themselves. One of the young men that said he's been converted here in the last couple of weeks, he said that he remembers probably about the age of 10 years old, remembers hardening himself to the gospel, uh, just despising the gospel, despising the truth. And it doesn't matter what your factors are. You can grow up in a hypocrite's home, and you're still going to be accountable to God. You can grow up in a blasphemer's home, and you're still accountable to God. You can grow up in an atheist's home, and you're still accountable to God. And so the wicked will have no leg to stand on, so to speak. They will have an accountability with God concerning their deeds done in this flesh. And those that have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, it doesn't matter how religious they are, it doesn't matter how spiritual they act, it doesn't matter how spiritual they claim to be. They that have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, will perish and God will utterly destroy them in this day. He said, but let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. And I realize that's lost today. That's far from us today. But even as we dealt yesterday, those praises, those temple singers, what were they doing? They were praising God continually. Those instruments were played in praise and adoration. And men could come and worship God. There was rejoicing when they hear the singing. There was rejoicing when they come any time of the day they come to that tabernacle later on to Solomon's temple. Any time of the day that music was playing, those trumpets were blowing. The noise was astounding. Why? Because there's praise unto our most high God. And I've heard it said many times, and I don't believe it's cliche, I believe it's a reality. When we get to heaven, the noise is one of the things that people are going to be astounded by. The noise of praise, that sweet choir, all in one accord and all in one tune and all in fellowship with Jesus Christ as they adore him and play instruments to him and sing in, in volume to him. What a pleasant sound it's going to be. What a loud sound it's going to be. Why the great rejoicing. And he told us, the saints of God, we ought to rejoice like that. They ought to exceedingly rejoice. And I know men say, well, I rejoice on the inside. Well, rejoicing is actually an outward expression. It's going to squeeze out of your emotion. When you rejoice inwardly, it is going to find its way out. It's going to find its way into your limbs, into your feet, into your lips. It's going to be a sacrifice of praise. Exceeding rejoicing is going to find its way out of your body. And I don't mean that you should get happy feet and start dancing and leaping around like a clown. I don't mean that you ought to just get your hands and just sway them back and forth and because you're in tune with the music. No, but it is going to affect you. Exceeding rejoicing is going to affect you bodily. And my friend, that's what God is looking for. He wants to see his saints with the joy of the Lord restored. He wants to see the fullness of joy. And he says in verse 4, sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice before him. That rejoicing is not to be seen of man. That praise is not to be seen of man. Songs are not to be sung to man. God forbid a singer get up there in the hopes that somebody shouts at their song. Uh, that's not for God. That's for man. In hopes that maybe somebody will run the aisles at their song or somebody will or it'll explode into some kind of a crazy frenzy because they're the ones singing. That's just the work of the flesh. That's not God. That's just a work of, the, of humanity. That's not a work of God. Why? He said, sing praises unto God. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens. Again, what is that word extol? Extol is to put him in the highest seat. You know, to, to exalt him is to lift him higher, to lift him very high. 
in, in his rightful place, but to extol him, there is none higher. He is that only potentate. And to extol him is he must be the highest in your life. He must be first in your life. He must be the highest God of your life. It can't be your flesh, and it cannot be your religion, and it cannot be your works, and it cannot be your righteousness, unless your righteousness is in Jesus Christ. And if my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, where the songwriter said, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And if we're wholly leaning on Jesus' name, we can extol him. We can put him in that highest seat. We can lift him to that highest place. And he's worthy of that. A father of the fatherless, that's who he is. And a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. And in verse 6 of Psalm 68 says this, God setteth the solitary in families. What a blessing that is. And can I say this? Listen, you may not have an earthly family. I, I know a dear man who, who went to be with the Lord several years ago. His wife and young daughter were killed in a car accident back in the early 1970s. And for 30-some years, actually for 40-some years, uh, it was. It was just he and the people of God. And uh, he didn't have that family. His earthly family was taken from him at a young age. And he suffered for it. And he, he was in agony for it. And it was a great sorrow to him. And then God gave him a wife in his later years, a widow lady. And for several years, they were able to travel the roads together in evangelism. And God gave him that. And what a blessing that was. But can I say to you, the people of God can be a family. God's people can be. And then even more so than that, Jesus Christ is a friend that seeth closer than a brother. And my friend, no matter how desolate you are, no matter how lonely you are, no matter how despondent you are, Jesus Christ is that friend. He wants to do for us what he's done for others. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Who are those bound in chains, the chains of sin? Wesley wrote about it in that great anthem of the faith, one of the greatest anthems of the faith. When he said, thine eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. What a great blessing that is. What an anthem of the faith as Charles Wesley spoke of his own experience of coming to Christ. The chains of sin were gone. The chains of religion were gone. The chains of self-righteousness were gone. Through the person of Jesus Christ, he found relief. He found freedom. Oh, happy day, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. All the chains were broken. The chains were shattered at Calvary. When I came to the cross, oh, my friend, the burden that I bore chained to my back and chained to my body and incapacitated me at times. But I found liberty in Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And the chains fell off. And he said that this on this wise, but the rebellious dwell in the dry land. Jesus Christ is that water. He is that fount. He is that everlasting fount, but my friend, the ungodly dwell in a dry ground, the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O oh God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. So he tells us that he brought people into families, took those bonded chains down in Egypt land. I used a more allegory, I guess, and maybe I should have, but yet he brought them out of Egypt land, the bondage of Egypt land. They were slaves in Egypt land. And then God led them out and God made them free, went before them and led them. And then he says this, Selah, let's think about this. And then in verse eight, he says, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. 
that fire upon the mount, that smoke upon the mount, that cloud upon the mount, the glory of God was upon the mount. The earth trembled and the earth shook. We saw that also another time in history at Calvary, how the earth shook at the presence of God, why the God was present at the judgment of his son. But then we saw the earth shake one more time. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. God was wroth and his breath came out of his nostrils and the earth shook. Why? His son had been made an offering for sin. His son's body was in the grave. His son's soul was in hell and the earth shook. God was very wroth. Then he brought him into that large place, crossed him over into Abraham's bosom. And so we see at the presence of God, we see what the Lord does, his presence does when the heavens dropped at the presence of God. Sinai itself was even moved to the presence of God, the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. God has always sent the rain to a dry and thirsty land where his people are seeking him. And I believe God will send that rain to satisfy that thirsty soul. I believe God is still sending rain to satisfy the thirsty. I still believe that Jesus Christ, that water of life, that bread of life, that honey out of the rock would satisfy that thirsting soul. And my friend, oh, my friend today, he said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And if you hunger after Jesus Christ, and if you'll thirst after Jesus Christ, he promised that he would fill. He said in verse 10, Thy congregation hath dwelt therein, thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. Why, at the word of God. He's talking about his children in the wilderness. He's talking about how God led them, brought them across Jordan after 40 years of wandering. Those that sinned in the wilderness died without faith. But then they crossed over into Jordan, and the children of those that came out of Egypt land crossed into that promised land. And we watched the miracles of God. They watched the work of God, how God helped the poor, and how God published the word of God. And then how God divided the spoils amongst those that tarried at home. He's no respecter of persons. He's a merciful God. He's a kind God. Though you have lean among the pots, yet shall you be as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. There it is again. We see the deity of God. We see the deity of Jesus Christ. We see that purity of Jesus Christ. And all oh, my friend, that's what God wants to do. God will do that with the worst heart like he did for Rahab. God will do that with the most vile sinner as he did with Ruth. God will make him pure. God will make him holy. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he won't see that sin. He'll just see the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. He'll see that new creature, those silver wings. Oh, glory be to God. When God takes the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold, and he sees purity and he sees holiness and he sees deep. Why? Because he sees his son. He sees that sinner that's been converted to Jesus Christ. He sees that one that's been birthed of God, that one that's in the family of God. How precious it is. How marvelous it is. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Solomon. The hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, and high hill as the hills of Bashan. Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. So again, we see just a little bit of prophecy, just see a few words of Jesus Christ concerning Jesus Christ, that high hill where he will rule, where he will reign, that promise of God, the city of the king. 
What is this Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king? Zion, that holy hill within Jerusalem. Zion, that place of worship within Jerusalem, where Jesus Christ will rule, where Jesus Christ will reign. He'll make all things new. He's going to take this old earth, this old earth that's grown. He's going to change it. He's going to perfect it. He's going to restore it. What a joy. What a blessing. We see Jesus Christ return to this earth. That's part one. Would you pray for us tonight in service at the Living Waters Baptist Church? There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal.